application. So this session is going to go together with the next one, which is conflict, right? So I'm of the belief that a majority of a, much of the conflict that we have in our marriages are, is due to poor or miscommunication, okay? So I submit to you that one of the biggest obstacles in having a God-honoring, a good God-honoring marriage is poor communication, okay? One commentator said that a marriage relationship is only as good as a couple's ability to send and receive good and right messages, all right? So like I said, many, many conflicts in marriage come from poor communication, miscommunication, and it's the, it's the cause of a, a, a lot of strife, thank you, a cause of a lot of strife and, and just fights and marriages that we can avoid if we just communicated a little better, right? So communication is a, is a key to any successful relationship in general, in marriage in particular, because your spouse is usually the closest person that you live with and spend the most time with, okay? And many of the relational aspects of marriage are framed by how we communicate with one another, okay? So it is impossible, it is absolutely impossible to address marital issues without good communication, okay? It is impossible to truly resolve any marital conflict without good communication, and poor communication will have lasting negative effects and consequences on any marriage, right? So, and another issue with communication is, is that most of us assume that we communicate well, okay? Most of us just assume that we communicate well. So just because you don't have a problem talking does not necessarily mean you're a good communicator, okay? Just because, I'm going to say that again, just because you don't have a problem talking does not make you a good communicator. Just because you say a lot of words when you talk doesn't make you a good communicator. Too many words quite often can make you a poor communicator, okay? And some of us mistakenly assume that non-agreement means that there was poor communication. That makes sense to you? So some of us think because we didn't agree with each other, the only reason we didn't agree was because somebody didn't understand the other person. That's not true, okay? Good communication does not necessarily mean that we have to agree with one another, okay? So, if you say to, if you ask someone, please define what good communication is, and they say, well, I don't really know, and then they have to spend the next hour, hour and a half just giving you a bunch of examples of what good communication is and what bad communication is, I can pretty much guarantee you that person can't communicate well. Okay, so if you don't have a good sound definition and framework of what it means to communicate good, you're not gonna be, a, you, you, you don't have the tools necessary in order to be a good communicator. That makes sense to you? Okay, that being the case, 
our goal for this session is to see from the scriptures what is good godly communication in general, how to apply that to our marriages in particular, and the goal is for us to see that good communication takes a lot of resolve, hard work, and most of all, it requires a desire to glorify God in our speech and to do good to our spouses when we communicate to them, okay? Good communication has some prerequisites. You'll see that in the outline. So that means that you must possess these things, these prerequisites, before you say a single word. Okay, before you open your mouth and say anything, these prerequisites, you need to possess these prerequisites before you even talk. And they are, these are the, pre, the prerequisites that you must possess prior to you saying a single word. It's you must have a desire to please the Lord with all of your communication. You must be humble, number two. Number three, you must be aware that you are accountable to the Lord for everything that you communicate. Four, you must know how to listen, okay? Five, you must believe that communication involves more than just your words. And then lastly, you must be willing to put forth the effort necessary to communicate well. All of those need to be in place in your heart, deep down in your soul, before you even open your mouth, before you say a single word. Those are prerequisites for good communication, good godly communication. And then once you have those in place, then good communication in marriage means that you're going to be sending messages that are holy, purposeful, clear, and timely. Okay, so you got to have the prerequisites first, and then once you actually start speaking, your speech and your communication needs to be holy, it needs to be purposeful, it needs to be clear, and it needs to be timely, okay? So before we even get into this, the first question we need to ask is, is does God care at all about the way that we communicate? Does he? Yeah. Yes, of course he does, right? So good communication is important to the Lord. That's the first point on your handout. Good communication is important to the Lord. So listen, so while it is true that good communication is a crucial aspect of any marriage relationship, what's more important, what's more important it is, is that good communication is important to the Lord. How you communicate, whether you're married or not, is important to the Lord. So Luke 6, Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45 says this. You should have it on your handouts. It says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit? For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so good communication exposes how you communicate. I'm sorry, how you communicate exposes what's in your heart. How you communicate to your spouse exposes the disposition of your heart. That's why communication is important to the Lord. That's one of the reasons why communication is important to the Lord. 
So good communication, good godly communication involves love, self-control, and self-discipline, all of which are important to the Lord. Good communications, good communication involves how we rule over our tongues, how we rule over our bodies and our body language, how we rule over our feelings, okay? All of these are important to the Lord. Good communication, again, it involves the heart. Our communication is ruled by our heart. The things that, you, that come out of your mouth started in your heart. That's why communication is important to the Lord. Okay? So according to the Lord, the words we speak, our verbal communication and our nonverbal communication show the entire world. It's a thermostat for the temperature of your heart. It's a thermostat for the disposition of your heart. It, show, it exposes. You can judge a book by the words in it. Okay? So listen, Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the Apostle Paul has commanded believers to be truthful with one another, right? But the reason that he gives this is because our situation as fellow believers in Christ's body, right, we would be hurting ourselves when we lie to our brothers because of the connection that we have with one another. And the same thing goes with your spouse. How you speak to your spouse is very important to the Lord. How you communicate with your spouse is very important to the Lord. Okay? Our speech is not the only element either. It's not the only element involved in our communication, but it is very important. That makes sense to you? So when you, how you communicate, your words matter, but that's not the only thing that matters. Okay? But the words are, are the most obvious, okay? So the Word of God tells us that if a man can control his tongue, he will be a godly man and able to control all his passions. Okay, that's James 3, 2. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. So if you can control your tongue and you can control your communication, the scripture says that you can control your body, right? The, the tongue is a fire. That's what the scripture say. If you can control your tongue, you can control a whole lot of other things, right? So communication is critically important to the Lord. Having self-control over what we say and how we communicate what we say is of great value to the Lord. It is a great virtue and can bring the Lord much glory when we communicate well and we communicate godly, not only with our spouses, but anybody. Okay, so the Lord is deeply concerned about this subject. And I have to admit, like everybody else, I'm not good at, I, it takes a lot of work. This is one of the first things we say, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of resolve to be a good communicator. Okay? So not being careful about our communication can do great damage and therefore dishonor the Lord. Hear, hear the word of God. It says, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. Okay? And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. You have to be extremely concerned about the way you communicate. 
the words that you use and the way that you communicate to other people are, is extremely important to the Lord. Amen? So when we communicate in a way that displeases God, if you are a person, I'm not saying, like, if this is the course of, regular course of your life, okay, if the regular, course, the regular course of your life, if you communicate in a way that displeases God, you are not behaving like a godly man or woman. Okay, this is not a minor faux pas for you to not communicate. Well, you have to actually want to do this and work hard at it because of what's connected to it all, right? Self-control, love, self-discipline, all of these things are what make up good or poor communication. That's why it's so important. It's not just that you're talking because it's that the reason why it's so important is because of everything else that it's revealing about who you are and the disposition of your heart. It, your, the way you communicate and the way you speak is showing whether or not the Spirit of God is actually at work in you. Do you understand? Okay? So I want to give two, quali- two qualifications here, okay, that we're just absolutely terrible at. When I say we, I mean the church. Okay? One, speaking the truth in love is not a license for you to just say whatever you want. Okay? It's not a license for you to be vulgar, and it's not a license for you to tear other people down purposefully. Okay? That is not what speaking the truth in love means. Okay? Secondly, just because you don't like what's being communicated to you, i.e. when you're getting confronted, or somebody doesn't agree with you, does not necessarily mean that the communication was poor. Just because you don't like it does not mean that there was poor communication. You understand that? Okay. My personal favorite is whenever somebody says to me, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. That could be true. Sometimes, I mean, because your communication could be poor, your body language and stuff like that. But sometimes that's just an excuse to not actually deal with what you're being confronted with. Okay? So make sure that that's not happening. Okay? You not liking it, you not liking the way that it feels is not a determining factor of whether or not you're being communicated too poorly. It's not a license for you to ignore being confronted. That makes sense to you? Okay? So our communication reveals the kind of person we truly are because of what comes out of our mouth is usually what's in our heart. And the Lord cares about our communication because the Lord is after your heart. The Lord is changing. Salvation is you getting a regenerated heart. That's what salvation is. Okay? And if your communication is revealing that your heart is not good, then you you should be questioning, have you actually been regenerated? That's why your communication matters. That's why it's so important. If we truly to de- desire to exemplify Christ and reflect Christ and be the image of God, we will seek to be good communicators. Okay, we will actually work hard at being good communicators. And again, everything Jesus communicated is holy, was holy, clear, purposeful, and timely. Right? So now that we've determined that the Lord thinks communication is important, we need to look at the six prerequisites for good communication. That's on the second page of your handout. So six prerequisites for, is it any more handouts? Here. 
six prerequisites for um, good communication. So, now when I say prerequisites, I want to be very clear here. These need to be, you need to possess these characteristics before you speak a single word. Before you speak a single word, okay? So many of us, or I'm sorry, for many of us, communication or communicating well with our spouses is not going to be possible because we don't consider these six prerequisites. We don't think that these six prerequisites are necessary. So the first prerequisite is you must desire to please the Lord with your communication. Okay? So before you open your mouth and say a single, single solitary word, anything, your, your desire has to be you want to please the Lord. Okay? In order to have good communication with your spouse, you must make it your aim to please God above anything else. Above anything else. You must, pos- you must have this deep, deep longing and desire to do what delights the Lord more than you need to be right. Okay? Good communication is not possible. Listen to me, family. It's not possible unless we want to please God more than we want to be vindicated. Okay? So 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So whether you are at home or away, make it our aim, we make it our aim to please God. Your greatest desire should be to please God in everything that you do. Thought, word, and deed. Okay? So we must have this attitude regarding the way we speak to one another in order to have good, good communication. Second prerequisite, you must be humble. Okay? It takes a tremendous, a tremendous amount of humility to communicate well with each other, with, with each other for the right reasons and to not react pridefully. It takes a tremendous amount of humility to do this. Okay? A humble person is, is, is usually pretty patient. When they're, when they're communicating with somebody else. A humble person will be patient when they are the ones that's being misunderstood. Everything that you say, everything that you communicate, people are not going to understand it the way that you meant it. So you got to be patient and humble enough to understand that people may not understand things the way that you said them, the way that you meant them. Okay? A humble person will be patient when the person they are talking to It's hard to understand. You understand that? Sometimes we make word salads. Okay, sometimes you're talking to me, and I'm talking to you, and I'm hearing people talk to me, and I understand all the words you used. I just don't understand how you use them together. Okay? I know every one of those words you use independent of one another, but the way you strung them together in that sense makes zero sense to me. Okay? And a humble person is going to be patient and say, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't understand what you meant. And, the other, on a, and on the other end, you're going to be patient enough to explain yourself. Okay? A humble person will not be easily offended when they don't like what the other person is saying. Okay? I th- this, is the, this is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That ha- that's going to happen when you try to communicate with one another. We come from different backgrounds. We don't all share the same. English is not all of our first languages. Some of us speak what we think is English that's not really English. Okay? And communication is not easy. Right? It's not easy. And you have to resist the temptation. You have to be humble and you have to resist the temptation to think, to think this. Because I think I'm being clear. Therefore, you should understand everything that's coming out of my mouth. That's not true. You should not assume that ever. You should not assume that. Okay? Third prerequisite. You must be aware that you are accountable to the Lord for everything that you communicate. You are accountable to the Lord for everything that you communicate. God hears every word that you speak. He knows all your verbal communication. God knows your verbal communication. He knows your nonverbal communication. He knows when you're trying to throw shade. He knows when you're trying to misdirect conversations. He knows when you're saying one thing and you mean something else. He knows when your motives are impure. He knows it all. Okay? And he's going to hold us accountable for all of it. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14 says this. The end, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Okay? For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So all of your communication matters. All of your verbal communication matters. All of your nonverbal communication matters. Okay. The, uh, what am I on? Number four? Fourth prerequisite? I'm on the fourth prerequisite. Okay. You must know how to listen. Okay, you need to highlight this, put a neon sign on it, circle it, put asterisks next to it, because this is one of the places where we struggle the most. You must learn how to listen. So one of the things I do in my D group, right, is I ask this question. The very first question I ask is, what was your big takeaway from the sermon on Sunday? But I do that for a particular reason, because I want to know what you are listening to. So if Pastor Rolo is preaching about sanctification, and you say, my big takeaway was we should take the, the Lord's Supper regularly. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was you listening to? So how, how we listen is very critical to how we communicate. Right? Good communication demands, listen to me, family, demands that we have good biblical listening skills. Okay, so James 119 says, know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. So James quite simply means listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk, okay? And unfortunately, many of us do the opposite, particularly when there's conflict, okay? So, so here's one of the mistakes we make with a lot of things, but particularly with communication, okay? It's easy for us to apply these principles when it's smooth sailing, when we don't disagree with our spouses, when we're all on the same page. It's not hard for us to, to do these, um, to, to feel these ways, to listen well. But they really matter the most when you have conflict, 
you need to really resolve in your mind when there's conflict, I'm going to do a better job of listening. Okay? When, when you are not a good listener, you are most likely going to jump to conclusions. Okay? When you are not a good listener, you're going to jump to conclusions. Okay, when you jump to conclusions, you're going to quite automatically think and say the wrong thing. Okay? The Bible warns us of this kind of listening. Proverbs 18.13, or I'm sorry, yeah, Proverbs 18.13 says this. I'm reading this from the Holman because I think it gives you a better idea of what's going on. It says, um, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and a disgrace to him. Stop talking before you know what the other person means. Okay? Concentrate. This is what it means to listen well. Okay? This is, a, this is what it means to listen well. It means to concentrate on and carefully consider what the other person is saying. Okay? Do not interrupt that person. Okay? Do not talk when the other person is talking. You cannot move your lips and use your ears at the same time. Your body is not designed that way. Okay? When your mouth open, your ears close. Yes, sir. That's my next point. So good listening entails not formulating what you're going to say while the other person is talking. Okay? Some of us do this. The other person is talking, and you already in your mind thinking about how I'm going to refute that. You're not listening. You're not listening. Okay? That's poor listening. Okay? And I would, I would add this as a practical piece of advice. Listen. So he says, the scripture says, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness, right? So that, mean, that demands then you have to listen first, then formulate what you're going to say, okay? So you have to be sure that you actually understand what that other person is trying to communicate to you, okay? So when you're in an important conversation with somebody, you should always ask for clarification, okay? You should be asking questions like, if you don't understand, can you please say that again? Can you explain that to me again? And I just operate like this now that I'm old and made a lot of stupid mistakes, okay? One of the things that I do now is when my wife says something to me, I go, is this what you mean? Blah, 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 blah. And until she says, yes, that's what I mean, I don't comment. Because anything that I comment on prior to that, it's going to be a bad comment. Because I'm not addressing what she's actually saying. That makes sense to you? That makes sense to you? So if you cannot formulate what this person has said to you in such a way that they would agree, yes, that's what I mean, you're not ready to comment yet. That makes sense to you? You're not ready. You don't have enough information to commit emotionally, intellectually, or verbally. Do you understand? 
You don't have enough information. You simply don't know what you're talking about. And you should not speak. Amen? And I can tell you right now, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very hard to do. Okay? The, the next prerequisite, what am I on? Number five? We must believe that communication involves more than our words. Communication involves more than your words. Your words, the content of your words, the tone of voice, the pace of your speech, your body language, your actions are all involved in communication. The words that you speak are only one avenue of communication, just one. Okay, and we can communicate two completely different things using the same words. So if I say, can you please come here? That means one thing. But if I say, can you please come here while I'm wagging my finger with an angry look on my face and I put emphasis on the word please, I just said something completely different. Did I not? Okay. So it's the same content, but something completely different was communicated because of all of these other factors. Okay. So therefore, to communicate well, you must be careful to consider the volume of your voice, facial expression, hand gestures, sighing, snorting, rolling of the eyes. Okay. Looks of disgust. Your posture, if you turn your back on somebody, all of those things matter. All of those things matter. Okay? And it's, in, this, in, 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 in this case, it might be helpful for you to ask your spouse to help you recognize when you do some of these things poorly. Okay? Because I used to do this thing when my wife would talk to me, I used to do this. Right? I didn't think nothing of it, right? But she was like, you should stop doing that. I'm like, why? Because you want me to hurry up and talk. I'm like, no, I'm just waiting, right? But that's what I'm saying. So I'm not trying to beat you up here, but I'm just saying, like, we need help with this, okay? We come from different backgrounds, different, different gestures and different cultures mean different things, and you need help with that. And that's why you should ask your spouse, and your brothers and sisters in the Lord to help you with that, okay? We must be willing, this is the last prerequisite, you must be willing to put forth the necessary effort to communicate well, okay? Any husband or wife who is self-serving is not going to communicate well, okay? A spouse who shows little interest in your spouse's well-being is not going to communicate well. If you don't care about your spouse's sanctification, if you don't care about your spouse's soul and their heart and their feelings, you're not going to communicate. You're not going to want to put the effort forward to communicate well. Sometimes, men, I know because we suffer from this probably the most, sometimes when you don't want to talk, you have to talk. Right? And sometimes when you don't want to listen, you got to listen. You got to put forward that effort. Okay? And you have to be resolved to die to self. Okay? You have to be resolved to die to self and communicate well, especially when it's difficult. 
okay? So, some people are gifted in standing up and speaking in front of groups. They have no problem with this. They're, not, they're completely comfortable with public speaking. Some people are just good at it, okay? But if you're not good at it, men, you got to figure it out because you got a whole family to shepherd, right? That can't be an excuse for why you're not trying to grow with this. You got to figure it out. You got to work at it and you got to be resolved to do the hard work and getting better at it, okay? Just because you're tired, just because you're sick, if you consider yourself, oh, I'm not a big talker, I don't do a lot of talking, that does not resolve you of the responsibility to be devoted to your wife and your children and communicate to them well. That does not resolve you of that responsibility, okay? We must be devoted to one another enough to put forward the necessary effort to communicate well. Okay, so Romans 1, 12, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verse 10 says, love one another with a brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. Okay, you can apply that to communication as well. You have to be devoted to do this well for the benefit and the good of your family and for the glory of God. Okay, so now that we laid down the foundation and gone over these prerequisites for good communication, now we can look at some, like, principles for how to have good verbal communication, all right? So anybody got any questions so far? No questions. That means I must be doing okay, or you don't like nothing I'm saying. So biblical, biblical principles for verbal communication. So first we're going to discuss two general principles and then four very specific principles. Can I see that outline for a second? Two general principles and then four specific principles. So right now, so that's, that's going to be the third page on the outline. Biblical principles for verbal communication. So the first two general principles, right, is we must guard our lips. Okay? We must guard our lips. Somebody read, uh, you know what, I'll do it. Uh, Psalm 41 verse 141 verse 3 says set a guard O Lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips all right so you must have a we have to put forward a great deal of effort in honoring the Lord with the things that we say you should always be asking before before you open your mouth Okay, you should be like, Lord, is what I'm thinking, what I'm getting ready to say, is it going to honor you? And if you flinch, don't say nothing. Okay? Don't say nothing. Okay? The second one is we must understand this. If you guard your lips, you're going to avoid all kind of trouble. Right? It's a whole lot of conflicts that happen simply because people did not control the things that came out of their mouth. You can avoid a whole lot of conflict by saying a lot of different things, by not saying 
certain things. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? This is Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You don't have to say everything you're thinking. That is not, that is not a prerequisite for you being a human being. Okay? I don't need to know, we don't need to know everything that's on your mind. Some of the stuff that's on your mind is crazy. So those are two general principles, okay? You must be resolved to guard the things that you say, guard your lips, and you have to understand, if you do that, you're going to avoid a lot of conflict. Okay, so if you're the type of person you say, I don't like conflict, I don't like drama, I don't like all of this stuff, guess what that means? You should be number one person in line guarding your lips, guarding the things that you say. Right? If you truly don't love the fight. Amen? Okay, four specific principles. With, yes, sir. I got two Yes. So the psalm was 141 verse 3. And I'm not saying that you sh- you I'm not saying that you should you shouldn't you shouldn't say that you don't like conflict. What I'm saying is is that if you truly despise conflict, you would do what's necessary to avoid it. Okay? You can't say, "Oh, I I, I don't like um conflict," but then run head first into it. Do you understand? You're just not being honest. You're just saying stuff you think you're supposed to say. Okay? That makes sense to you? All right. You got a question? Yeah. Because, like, verbal conflict and, like, physical conflict, yeah. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's what it is. <laughs> All right? So, listen, here. So with these two general principles in mind, we can get more specific about our verbal communication, right? We can look, we'll look at these four specific principles taken from the life of Jesus Christ to give a foundation for good communication, right? So the Lord's communication was holy, purposeful, clear, and timely. Holy, purposeful, clear, and timely, right? So Christ's communication was holy, right? Everything he communicated was holy, It was truthful and righteous, okay? What we say must be the truth, okay? What we say must be the truth. Ephesians 4.25, therefore put away falsehood. Let each one of us speak the truth to his neighbor. As believers, our aim to reflect God's glory and bear his image and to exemplify Jesus Christ means that we have to be honest people. You have to be honest people. There can be no form of deceit in the words that you speak. Okay? We cannot communicate in a way that disagrees with the Lord's revealed truth. That makes sense to you? With the Lord's revealed truth. Okay? We must be careful that all we say is accurate, okay? 
That's why you should not be speaking unless you got all the information. Okay? Proverbs 6.16 says this, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes and a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Lying to the Lord is an abomination. Okay? We know about all the abominations but that one. Okay? In order for our communication to be holy, we must guard against outright lies. Okay? Exaggerations of the truth. You know, when you're telling your stories and you start exaggerating, okay, you got to avoid all of that. Going further than the truth. Listen, the truth plus a lie equal a whole lie. Okay? Half or partial truths. Okay? So if you only give part of the information so that you intentionally change somebody's opinion about something or they give you the answer that you want to get, okay, that's telling a partial. That's only telling the partial truth. And a half a truth is what? A whole lie. Okay? Evading the truth, you can't do that either. Okay, so if I'm in a conversation with you and you and I try to say something and you intentionally avoid the, you intentionally jump subjects, right? Or you don't answer the question or you cause a diversion to get my attention somewhere else to not deal with what's in front of you, all of those could be mechanisms that you're using to avoid speaking the truth. So here's one of the mistakes we make, right? If I, come, if I ask you a question, right, we know we're not supposed to outright lie, right? But if I just avoid the conversation so I don't actually got to say nothing, that's a problem too. That make sense to you? Okay. Speaking the truth means speaking the whole truth. Okay. So what we say must be truthful. What we say so what we say must be the truth, and how we say it must be righteous. That makes sense to you? How we say it must be righteous. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up and as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So no matter what your spouse says or does, right, you have to rule your heart and your actions. Okay? You understand that? Right. Okay, so listen. So here, so the point is, basically, you, if you just strip all of that away, is I should be listening. Okay, if I'm listening well, right, and if, if I'm listening well, I'm going to address you. You understand? You understand? When I'm talking to Emmy, I should be talking to Emmy, not women. That makes sense to you? So I, the only way that I can do that is to actually listen to the things that she's saying, okay? And we have to rule over and guard over and rule over our own hearts, right? And remember, the Lord Jesus Christ always acted and responded verbally in a holy way, even when he was being sinned against. That make sense to you? 
Even when he was being sinned against, when he was reviled, he did not return reviling with reviling. That's what you're supposed to do. Is your spouse going to sin against you in unison? Yes. And when they do, are you supposed to sin back? Does that give you a license to return their sin with sin? You're be- Listen, I keep telling y'all this all the time. Two people could be wrong at the same time. Two people can be wrong at the same time. That is very possible. Just go read Genesis 3. It was a curse. Adam said, it was the woman you gave me. And he was right. And God dealt with her next. Okay, he was wrong. She was wrong. And the serpent was wrong. You could be in a conversation with your spouse and both of y'all could be sinning at the same time. Okay, that's very possible. If you ever watch football, you see double flags all the time. Okay, both of y'all in violation. Okay? God is not going to say you get a pass because your spouse was sinning. I don't know where you got that from, but you do not get that from the scriptures. Okay? So listen. Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth while he was being sinned against. That's the resolve that we got to have when we Speak to our spouses. So listen, our, sp- our speech must be without bitterness, without wrath, without anger, without clamor. You know what that is? Clamor. Yelling, screaming, hollering, okay? All of that stuff. It should be without slander. It should be without malice. But rather, our speech should be with kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness and grace, right? So we must be careful to not enter into sin with our communication, even when our spouse is sinning against us, okay? And you just got to know, that's going to happen. Is that, is that not going to happen? Okay, so then you just got to know when it, this is what you got to get in your head. When it happens, I'm not going to sin. That makes sense to you? Okay. Christ's communication was purposeful. Your motivation for what you do, for what you say, must be unselfish. It must be selfless. It must be for the glory of God and the good of your spouse. Jesus' purpose was to do the will of the Father. He was never selfish even when he was speaking, right? You have to be careful that when we communicate that we're not communicating for the wrong reasons. You shouldn't only be communicating just to get your point across and get your way. That's not the only reason why you communicate. You shouldn't be just communicating to retaliate or get jabbing back at somebody. Right? When or if you have the right motives in communication, you will act with intention and purpose right? versus reacting to your feelings or your pride. That make sense to you? Your speech is going to be purposeful. You're going to be, I'm trying to build you up. I'm trying to see you grow in uh, sanctification. I'm trying to see you um, um, know the Lord more with the words that I say. You have to be intentional about that, not just getting your point across, okay? Uh, You will attack the problem, the sin, not the person, okay? You'll attack the sin, not the person. So when somebody says something that you don't like, you won't automatically assume, oh, you're only saying that because of blah, 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 and then all this other stuff. No, 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 no. That's not how you communicate well. Listen to what they're saying, Okay? So when we're communicating with our spouse, we have to be aware in this area. This is the area where our flesh is going to war. 
against us because we want to be right. Okay? We want to be right. Okay? So let your speech always be seasoned with salt so that you will know how to respond. I'm sorry. Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. That's Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be great. And if it's that, then you'll know how to respond. You'll be able to give a proper response. Okay? This means before you commit to an emotion, make sure you've listened well. Sometimes we commit to an emotion. You don't got enough information to be mad. Okay? Here's another thing. I'm not going to finish this today. I'm, I'm going to have to carry over the rest of it. But I do want to say this real quick, right? One of, the, one of the assumptions, the poor assumptions, so I'm still on purposeful, right? But one of the assumptions that we make about communication that's wrong, this is a bad assumption, is that if we're communicating well, that means we're going to agree. That's not true, family. That's not true. Listen, Jesus goes to his hometown, opens up the scroll of Isaiah, clearly communicates, that's talking about me. Did they agree with him? What did they want to do? They wanted to throw him off a cliff, right? Jesus clearly communicated that he was the son of God, right? God in the flesh. The Jews, did they agree? Matter of fact, they didn't agree so much they wanted to stone him half the time. Every time he clearly communicated who he was to people, every time he clearly communicated that you were a sinner, did people always agree? So, good communication does not mean we agree. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, listen to me, family. If you're communicating well and you have a terrible idea and you communicate a very terrible idea really good, everybody around you is going to be clear that you just communicated what? A terrible idea. Do you understand? So agreement cannot be the determining factor for whether or not you're communicating well. Do you understand? You're not going to always agree. You got that from a Disney movie. You did not get that from reality. Okay? Agree like I've literally heard somebody say this before about their spouse. I know they don't agree with, I know they don't understand me because they don't agree. Right? If, if, they under, if they really understood me, they would agree. Let me help you understand how arrogant and prideful that position is. Okay? In order for that to be true, that would mean you're incapable of being wrong. That makes sense to you? That makes sense to you? You would have to be incapable of being wrong. You would have to be incapable of formulating terrible ideas in order for that statement to be true. Okay? Communication, good communication, does not mean that we're going to agree. Quite often, good communication is going to reveal, sometimes it's going to reveal that you're sinning. If you're communicating well, and I'm really listening, and I'm really paying attention, it could possibly potentially mean something is wrong in your heart. 
Amen? Who was first? Oh, three minutes. Okay. Sorry. That makes sense to you? So I'm going to stop here so I can come back and finish, and I'll finish the rest of this in dovetailing in the conflict because I think they both go hand in hand together. So is there any questions so far? No questions. Okay. So listen, remember, prerequisites, six prerequisites. These six prerequisites are very important. You've got to have these things in place, okay? Your main number one aim and desire has to be to please the Lord and do good for the other person. And sometimes what that means is, is that you're going to have to confront them on their sin. And their words sometimes and their communication sometimes is going to, going to show that. Other times that means you got to be humble enough to know when you're wrong. Okay? You got to be humble to admit that you're wrong. And your aim and your goal cannot be to just, I just want to be right and get my way. Okay? It's got to be, I want to see my spouse grow in sanctification. I want to do and say what's good for my spouse. My, my communication, my nonverbal communication should be driving towards all of that. And we can't use the excuse of, oh, I'm just not a talkative person. Or that's not an excuse. That does not resolve you of your responsibility to communicate well. And do not assume. This is a big one. Do not assume because you talk a lot that you're communicating well. Okay? That's, that's not, that's, that's not, most of the time, listen to me, these word salads, you start throwing in extras and commas and semicolons and bullet points, you just started confusing everybody. Okay? Be concise and say what you need to say. You don't need to say everything that you're thinking. Okay? You don't need to say, you need to say as much as you need to say, not more than you need to say. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray.